0: All right. So, uh where are all my procrastinators at in the room? Okay? Yeah. I I see I see a few of you all. Um there's probably more of you you're just slow to raise your hand. <laughs> Typical, right? Whoa. Uh but I'm I'm a procrastinator on some things many things. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a full-blown procrastinator, but I've gotten a little bit better. But in school, I was a notorious procrastinator. I would always uh, wait till the night before uh, to write my paper or to cram for my exam. You remember pulling all-nighters, cramming for exams, and all of that stuff? No, you all started studying for your final the day you got your syllabus. Yeah, good for you, good for you. Um, <clears throat> But I, I I still procrastinate, but I've broken some of those habits uh, a little bit, the older that I've gotten. And, and I found out that, you know what? it's actually really helpful and efficient to actually plan ahead and prepare and be proactive. I mean, all of these years of unnecessary stress and anxiety I could have avoided. Who knew? Um, <clears throat> but I had to kind of learn that the hard way. But here's, here's something that, that I have learned and, and something that I think is, is uh, beneficial for procrastinators is that um, sometimes the longer the journey takes you, the more you get to experience out of it. Sometimes the, the longer that the journey is for you, the more that you end up experiencing out of it. And the more that you end up experiencing, uh, the more that you end up growing as well. Um, so I've learned that, you know, you can, you can cram for an exam, but you cannot cram for maturity. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, in this uh, this new series on the book of Philippians, uh, we're going to be in the book of Philippians all month. Um, so if you got your Bibles with you, you open up to that, put a bookmark in there because we're going to be hanging out there uh, throughout the month of November. Um, it's after Galatians and Ephesians, right before Colossians. If you hit the maps at the end of the Bible, you've gone way too far. So back up a little bit. Um, but we're going to be in Philippians for the month of November. And let me just give you a little bit of a back- background on this this letter um, it was written by the apostle Paul at around sixty ish a d um, which means that Paul is kind of an old man at this point in his life he 's matured in age he 's also matured in his faith quite a bit. As you might know, Paul did not start off as a follower of Jesus. He didn't become a Jesus follower until later on in life after Jesus had died and was resurrected. And Paul had this wild conversion experience that turned him from mass murderer into missionary. And so Paul went off on all these missionary journeys and he planted churches all throughout the Middle East area. And one church that he planted, actually the first church in Europe, Europe is this small church in Philippi. And Philippi is in Greece. And so then about 10 years later is when Paul wrote this letter, the letter of Philippians to this church. He may have written other letters, but this is the one that we have uh, to them. And, And the interesting thing about this is that Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison somewhere. And that's not that uncommon because, well, Paul was in prison a lot. He got thrown in jail quite a bit, as did many Christians throughout the years, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Martin Luther King Jr. Some of the greatest Christian writings have come out of a prison cell. But at this point, Paul's Paul's an old man when he's writing this letter Truth be told, he kind of sounds like an old man when he's writing this letter too. He's got zero things left to give, the filter's kind of off. But what he does have is that he's got he's got purpose when he writes. And so this is Philippians chapter one. We're gonna begin at verse three. We're gonna kinda jump all over Philippians chapter one today, but but here's beginning at verse three. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. And remember, Paul hasn't seen these people in about 10 years or so. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And being confident of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Okay, let's just pause right there. Everybody say pause with me. Ready? Pause. All right, good. So, Paul says, God began a good work in you, and God is going to carry it on until completion, which means, Paul's saying, when you became a Christian, or even before you became a Christian, God was doing something within you. God God was working in your life even in a way that, that you may not understand, you couldn't even imagine, but God has begun to do something in you, but you're not done yet. God's God's not not through with you yet. You're you haven't arrived. You're not there quite yet. Remember when I said that that you can cram for an exam, but you cannot cram for maturity? that oftentimes the thing that we procrastinate the most is our Christian maturity and our Christian faith. That, that what happens is when, when we get in a bind, we have this mindset that we think, ah, God, just, just fix it. God, just, just make it better. Jesus, just, just fix it. But Jesus's invitation has always been follow. Follow me. It's about a journey. You know, we want to say, God, just snap your fingers, fix it now, fix it now, fix it now. But Jesus says, no, follow. And there's a world of difference between fix it now, Jesus, and hearing him whisper to you, come follow me. And so Paul tells these early Christians in Philippi that God is is maturing them, that God is taking them on a journey and he's saying this because he's trying to teach them that, look, Christianity is not a quick fix type of faith. It, it's not behavior modification. Christianity is not just do good, just be good. No. What Paul says is. This Christian faith, this, this following Jesus thing, it's about having our minds and our hearts renewed. It's this inside-out kind of faith that, that God does something within us that eventually, hopefully, comes out of us in goodness. That's maturity. Maturity. And so Paul says, we are all on this journey until we get to that complete state. And so what does that actually look like? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. Let's unpause and go there. So on the count of three, everybody say unpause with me. One, two, three, unpause. Okay, let's jump down to verse uh, verse nine here. Paul says this, and he kind of goes on with this prayer. He says, and this is my prayer for you Philippians, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. When was the last time that you prayed for your love to abound more and more? It's kind of an interesting and maybe even an odd thing to say that, that, that my love would abound more and more. Essentially, I, I think what it means is, is that, that our hearts would kind of grow nearer, more like the heart of God. The, the things that, that make God's heart sing with joy would also make our hearts sing with joy. And the things that break God's heart would also break our own hearts. And, and ultimately, ultimately, that we would be able to see the world the way that God sees the world. That we would be able to see our family members and our friends and our co-workers and our neighbors, that, that we would be able to look at the world and look at others with the same eyes of Jesus. Eyes full of love and hope. I think that's what it means when we pray, God, may my love abound more and more. He goes on, so that, so that you may be able to discern what is best. It may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's prayer is that by becoming better lovers of people, we actually become pure and blameless. That, that if it was that your only prayer was God, help me to grow in love like you. If, if that was your only prayer, God, help me to grow in love like you. And that would be enough because love co- covers a multitude of sins. And so he goes on, he kind of closes that opening prayer and then let's jump down to verse 12 and this is where I really want to kind of focus us in today. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And what has happened to Paul is that Paul got thrown in prison, okay? But he says, but God's actually using this to advance the gospel. He says, as a result, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains, he doesn't stop there, We all know that he's in chains, but it's become apparent to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. You see, what what makes this letter so unique is that it's written from a prison cell, and yet it's the happiest book in the entire Bible. Philippians is often called the letter of joy. And Paul's writing about the progress of the gospel, the good message of Jesus that's going out throughout, throughout all the world, while Paul is in lockdown in a prison cell, rotting away. And so has this, has this ever happened to you? That in the thick of the worst part of your life, you've noticed that God is doing the most through you. That even in the thick of the worst part of your life, you can't help but notice that it seems like God is, is doing some of the most through you. And 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 let's let's be clear. It's it's not that God has caused these things to happen. It's not that Christ has put Paul in chains. But that through it all, through it all, Paul now has an opportunity to advance the gospel. This opportunity that has come his way. You see Paul has been beaten He's been mocked, he's been shipwrecked, he's been imprisoned, and his feet are in shackles now, and Paul says, look, look, I, I know that I got these chains, and, and look, I, I know that it may seem like I am chained to these Roman guards, but actually, I'm chained to Christ. Christ. And more than that, if you remember the last verse, Paul says, because of these chains, because of these chains that I have, these guards, they're now chained with me to Christ. He says, because, because of my chains. If Christ didn't put these chains on me, but now that they're on me, I'm going to let Christ use them for good that God didn't bring the disease, God didn't file the divorce, God didn't cause the loss. But because of that, because of that, God can use that as an example of grace, that God can force good out of the worst that we go through in life. God can make joy out of a life that seems full of lemons. God can make some good come from some of it. See, Listen up, this is, this is the part I, I don't want you to miss, is that you can either let your chains break you, or you can let your joy break your chains. You can either let your chains break you and break your joy, or you can let your joy break your chains. You see that even in the midst of Paul's chains, he rejoices. He finds freedom in his heart and in his mind and in his soul, and he puts it all into an action, and he praises God in the midst of it. I mean, the circumstances don't get much worse than they do for Paul right now, and yet he rejoices. And that's because joy isn't, it's not a feeling. Sometimes we confuse joy with happiness. Joy isn't a feeling. Joy is a belief. Happiness is a feeling. Happiness is, is that desire for the things that, that we want. And, and once we get them, that, that attaining them, we respond with, with a feeling of happiness. But, but joy, joy isn't like that. Joy is a belief. And a belief, a belief is that thing that, that we know deep within our hearts that we need the most. And that's why, no matter how dark the day, how dark the night, how sunny the day, joy is is always here to stay. Because for Paul and for us who are followers of Jesus, our joy comes from knowing the truth. And the truth, Jesus said, The, the whole reason why I came to you, Jesus said, is, is so that you may know the truth that that truth may set you free. I have come so that you may have joy and that your joy may be complete. Our joy comes from knowing the truth and the truth that Paul knows is that Jesus still lives and he reigns. And so if you think that I'm just kind of blowing smoke, look at verse 20 here. This is what Paul says in verse 20. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says, look, I I know what's possible. (laughs) Look, I, I know that my number might be called up at any moment now, but, but here's what I know, whether I win or lose, it doesn't matter whether i live or die doesn't matter because if i live i keep on living for christ and if i die i die for christ he goes on and he says if i am going if i am to go on living in the body this will mean fruitful labor for me yet what shall i choose <laughs> i do not know i love this what shall i choose Nobody's asking you, Paul. I don't think you have much of a choice in the matter. I think that's kind of up to the guards who are attending to you and the emperor who wants to cut your head off, okay? But even in the midst of circumstances that he has no control over, he still has the choice of how he is to respond. He still has the choice of how he's going to choose to respond. That he, he may be chained in his body, but he's free in his mind. And so he goes on, verse 23, he says, so I am torn between these two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Yeah, heaven is a whole lot better than a jail cell. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And so convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ will abound on account of me. Here's, here's kind of what Paul is saying throughout this, this whole thing. Let me just distill it down real quick. He's saying, look, Philippians you know the situation that I'm in. And look, I want you to know that, that even if the chains don't break, they're not going to break my joy. That even if the chains don't break, I'm still going to use these chains. And even if God doesn't remove these chains, I'm going to ask God to use them. That's making joy out of a life full of lemons. That, that even if the struggle is still there, even if the pain is still there, even if the loss is still felt, even, even if it doesn't just go away, like everyone has said to me that it will just go away, even if, even if none of that stuff gets removed, I'm not gonna wear these chains in vain because I've found a love that will not let me go. And I'm not chained to the circumstances in my life. I am chained to Christ, Paul says. And that brings me joy. Because for me, for me to live, no matter the circumstance, for me to live is Christ. And even if my life is full of lemons, even if I'm in chains and they're not going anywhere, then God, I'm going to ask you, God, I'm going to ask you, will you continue on that good work that you began in me? Because I believe in a joy that seeks me through the pain. I trace the rainbow through the rain, through all the trials, all the hurt, all the pain, all the heartache, in the midst of a life full of lemons, I know that that promise is not in vain. That promise of joy. And I know that these chains, these circumstances are not in vain. God, would you make your joy complete in me? God, I believe. But help my unbelief. God, help me to hold on to joy. And so, Lord, God, whatever we might be bringing into this place, Lord, whatever our chains might be, God, you know them. And you promise that you're there with us, that you feel their weight, that you suffer with us. as, oh God, don't let these chains break us. Lord, help us to find joy. And even in the midst of whatever it is that we have gone through, we are going through, we will go through, Lord, may we be anchored in that belief. Because that belief gives us joy. The truth that you live and reign and the truth that you have promised, that you will never leave us or forsake us. God, may that be enough. May that be enough. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.